Hi, everyone. Welcome to another episode of the Visual Politic Podcast. I'm Simon, and this is an episode that was originally published on our YouTube channel on the 2nd of May 2019. Its title is Hong Kong, A Broken Dream. As always, I'm going to jump in with any explanations that are required to this being a non-visual medium, like explaining any charts and stuff like that. And let's get into it. On the same day as the attack on Pearl Harbor, Japan carried out a combined attack against Hong Kong, the Philippines, Thailand, and Malaysia. That day was December the 7th, 1941. After taking control of Hong Kong, the Japanese army imprisoned the colony's administrators and many British and American citizens in prison camps. And they replaced the Hong Kong dollar with the military yen and confiscated all of the city's manufacturing and commercial facilities. <laughs> During the four years of Japanese occupation, Hong Kong's economy plummeted so low that it was virtually ruined and the population it was reduced by half. But finally, on August the 15th, 1945, after the harsh Pacific War, the Second World War, it ended. Japan surrendered and Hong Kong, it was returned to the British. From that moment on, a new story began. It was time for an economic takeoff. There was a process that would transform this city into one of the freest and richest territories in all of Asia and indeed the entire planet. With 7.5 million inhabitants and more than 1,200 skyscrapers, Hong Kong has been the great benchmark of almost the entire Asian continent for the past couple of decades. However, this is changing. You see, located in the middle of the Pearl River Delta, China's great technological and industrial area, is the city of Shenzhen. In 2018, Hong Kong saw its neighbor Shenzhen, known as the Chinese Silicon Valley, snatch first place as the city with the largest economy in southern China. That's right, Hong Kong is no longer the biggest economy of the cities that make up the Pearl River Delta. But this has a small caveat. Shenzhen has over 10 million inhabitants, which is 3 to 5 million more than Hong Kong. So in terms of wealth per capita, Hong Kong is still much richer. But that's beside the point, because what this shows us is that things are changing and Hong Kong is falling behind. And that doesn't mean to say that the city's economy isn't growing, it's just that Hong Kong's neighbors are growing at a faster rate. That and the fact that while its neighbors, particularly Shenzhen, have become important technological industrial centers from which multinationals as influential as Tencent, DJI, or Huawei have emerged, Hong Kong is only significant as a financial center and nothing more. And the question that more and more people are asking themselves today is, well, is this a sign of Hong Kong's decline or a sign of its rebirth? Yep, you heard that correctly. It is sort of a black or white situation so listen up. The City of Contrasts Folks, it's my turn to ask you a question. Are you ready? Which city do you think has the most ultra-rich people living in it? The city with the highest number of people with assets worth $30 million or more. I'm guessing many of you thought of New York, London, or maybe Dubai, right? Well, cold, cold, and freezing. From the Washington Post. New York eclipsed as city with most extremely wealthy people. Hong Kong is now home to more extremely rich people than any other city in the world. Yep, Hong Kong. Hong Kong is the city with the most billionaires on the planet right now. More than 10,000 residents in this city have a portfolio worth more than $30 million. How about that? So many of you might be thinking, well, if the city is growing at around 3% per year and it's the cities with the most billionaires in the world, then things are going to be going pretty well, right? Well, yeah, but also no. 
Folks, Hong Kong is a bit of a paradigm. See, on the one hand, we have an apparently thriving and prosperous city, a modern and influential financial center. To give you an idea, Hong Kong's stock exchange is absolutely huge. It lists more than 2,300 companies with a total market value of just over $4.1 trillion. However, at the same time, this city has a lot of problems. Poorest residents are earning progressively less and less money. Infant mortality rates are rising. The population is aging rapidly, and a huge percentage of the population lives in housing that falls well short of building standards in any developed country. In many cases, these are tiny spaces that don't even have windows or ventilation. These could truly be described as holes. Folks, the most claustrophobic living spaces in the world can be found in this city. And this has a lot to do with the fact that what should be a well-off middle class really isn't. From the South China Morning Post. Nearly half of Hong Kong flats rent for $2,550 US a month, 70% of median household income. According to research company Demographia, housing prices are 20.9 times higher than the average household annual income in Hong Kong, compared with 3.9 times in the US and 4.3 times in Canada. Takeshi Kihara, Nikkei Asian Review staff writer. Shown on screen at the moment is a bar chart from the 15th annual Demographia International Housing Affordability Survey. It details housing affordability rates, which are the median house price divided by median household income. In 2018 for Hong Kong, it's 20.9, followed by New Zealand at 6.5, Australia at 5.7, the UK at 4.8, Singapore at 4.6, and the United States at 3.5. But folks, we already talked about Hong Kong's housing situation, and before you jump the gun, I can already tell you that this has nothing to do with capitalism gone wild, or corporate greed, or overpopulation, or anything like that. In this case, it's actually the government who is to blame, because in Hong Kong, the vast majority of the lands and a good part of the houses, they belong to the government. They're all public. But don't think that that's the end of it. There's much, much more. In October of 2018, the investment bank Nomura presented a report warning that the likelihood that Hong Kong may suffer a financial crisis in the coming years has soared. From Business Insider, Hong Kong sits in the danger zone for a fresh financial crisis. One of the main reasons for this is that a good part of the population has taken huge loans to buy a home. Therefore, a very high percentage of Hong Kong residents, particularly young professionals, are up to their necks in mortgage debt. From Nomura, Hong Kong has very large credit and property market overhangs. Since 2008, real property prices have risen 125%, and the ratio of private non-financial credit to GDP has surged to 299%. And if we add the fact that wages haven't increased and the economy depends greatly on China, whose own growth seems to be slowing down, this could be a recipe for disaster. I want to leave because Hong Kong is no longer what it used to be. My plan is to get a master's degree in Canada, find a job, and start a new life. Jonathan Chan, a 24-year-old Hong Kong student. Because, of course, killing yourself working endless days to live in a tiny house which you have to pay a huge mortgage leaves you very little disposable income. Doesn't really make you feel very optimistic at all. And then on top of that, you can't set up anything on your own because commercial space is also incredibly expensive, which makes matters even worse. Well, that's precisely what more and more young Hong Kong people are thinking. Check this out. 
According to a 2018 survey by Chinese University of Hong Kong, 51% of people between the ages of 18 and 30 said that they are thinking about leaving the territory. Takeshi Kihara, Nikkei staff writer. More than half of the young population want to live somewhere else, and that's incredibly worrisome. And then we need to take into account China's increasing political interference and the growing restrictions on political freedoms. From The Guardian. Hong Kong bans pro-independence party as China tightens grip. Hong Kong National Party banned in the interests of, quote, national safety. From Reuters. Hong Kong press freedom in question as FT journalists denied visa. As you can see, it wouldn't be unreasonable to say that we're facing something like the decline of Hong Kong's splendor. The city folks which dazzled the world by becoming a financial, commercial, and cultural center. For decades, Hong Kong had the third largest film industry in the world, an industry that was thought to even rival Hollywood itself. But hang on a second, because some argue that, yeah, all of this has happened, but now the city is about to experience a rebirth. So now the question becomes, are Hong Kong's best days actually ahead of it? The New Chinese Hong Kong We've told you here on Visual Politics that the Chinese president doesn't really like this whole one country, two systems thing. Xi Jinping is determined to reduce Hong Kong's political autonomy. Well, to achieve this, he has presented a great plan, the Great Bay Metropolitan Area Project. You see, the Chinese president wants to turn the entire Pearl River Delta, where cities such as Hong Kong, Macau, Shenzhen, or Guangzhou are located, into a large metropolitan area that is perfectly interconnected and has immense economic integration. And we're talking about more than 70 million people and a GDP that in 2030, according to Morgan Stanley, will be over $3 trillion. That's larger than the economy of the entire UK. So far, the big infrastructure projects are already a reality. A high-speed train has already been inaugurated between Hong Kong, Shenzhen, and Guangzhou. And also, the longest bridge in the world now connects Hong Kong and Macau. This, by the way, is a connection that is 55 kilometers long, which understandably cost an absolute fortune. Hong Kong Zhuhan Macau Bridge um, links uh, the three uh, regions, uh, including Hong Kong, and Guangdong, and Macau. The problem? The Chinese government wants all this integration to end Hong Kong's autonomy. And among other things, although they are formally a single country, regulations, laws, and courts are different in Hong Kong than they are in mainland China. There are even borders and customs between the two territories. So in order to make the metropolitan area really work, some harmonization would have to take place, which of course means that Hong Kong would become increasingly Chinese, and that when its autonomy agreement expires in 2047, it wouldn't be renewed without strict conditions. Are you needing to see all the pieces now? Well, there's still more. In a spectacular turn of events, China has appointed Hong Kong as the National Center for Technology and Innovation in Southern China. For the first time, the Chinese government has begun financing research projects in Hong Kong's universities. They've demanded the government enforce a doubling of research and development budgets and have approved a program to attract scientists and technologists from all over the world. 
But well, why would China do this? Well, folks, because Hong Kong has a huge advantage over the rest of the Asian continent. It's considered a market economy, and it isn't subject to import restrictions. That is, Hong Kong companies can buy whatever they want, including high-tech goods that can have both civilian and military applications. These are products that the government and Chinese companies cannot buy. In other words, China wants to take advantage of Hong Kong's status in order to boost its technological development plans. If it succeeds, that'll be great for China and Hong Kong, but even if that plan is thwarted, China will still get the upper hand with Hong Kong. Consider this. If the United States and the rest of the other Western powers impose restrictions on Hong Kong and end their free port status, this will push the city even more into China's hands, who will be happy to invest billions in this territory in exchange for full control. Smart. It's real smart. <laughs> China. <laughs> Anyway, folks, now you can probably see it's hard to predict whether we're facing Hong Kong's decline or whether we're facing its rebirth. But what does seem clear is that Hong Kong will become more and more Chinese. So I really hope you enjoyed that episode of the podcast. This was originally a video that aired on our YouTube channel. If you'd like to get stuff right up to date as it comes out, please do search Visual Politic. That's politic with a K, one word, in YouTube, and you will catch all of our videos. Also, if you like this, please do consider leaving us a review wherever you get your podcasts. We really do appreciate it. And as always, I'll see you next time.